Welcome to Winds of Change, a Reckless Abandon Ministries podcast. What you are about to listen to is something we believe has the power to spark change in your life. We pray that God not only blesses you through it, but that he reaches into your heart and stirs things up to bring about change in your life, change that glorifies him and builds his eternal kingdom. The song playing is preeminent by Oceans and Vessels. It is the title track of their debut album. Check it out on Spotify, iTunes, or Amazon Prime Music. We are very grateful for their sponsorship of our podcast in this way. Well, hey, podcast listeners. I'm here with Dave Radford of The Gray Havens. And Dave, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am uh, I'm a dude, so that's first. And uh, second, I live in Nashville with my wife, Alicia. Um, I'm 29 tomorrow, or Wednesday, uh, or at the, at the time of this recording in March. And... Um, we're in a band, obviously called the Grey Havens. We uh, call ourselves like a narrative pop folk uh, as a genre, um, and yeah, I think that's probably maybe enough. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And how did your how did your music ministry get started? Yeah, so taking it back to sixth grade, got into I'm taking you way back. So sixth grade. Uh, I wanted to play the trumpet in the marching band and the jazz band. And, uh, and so my parents signed me up for lessons, uh, really took to that and, you know, joined the marching band and all that stuff. And so I didn't really, it wasn't really singing, um, up until high school. And, uh, I honestly got into singing. I joined the choir because the, um, embarrassing, but the choir teacher, uh, was attractive, and so all the guys were joining men's choir, and so I did too. And uh, and so I um, I got a solo that first semester in high school men's choir, and I just you know kind of never looked back as far as wanting to be involved in um, choir, theater, uh, all that stuff. So continuing the backstory, so I I auditioned for American Idol when I was. Um, 17 and got on the show and ended up being in the top 20. And after I got off that show, I was approached by a friend and said, hey, you ever think about songwriting? And so that's when I kind of got into songwriting after high school. So it was pretty late um, relatively to, to a lot of songwriters. Yeah, but that's really cool. And kind of a side question here, would you, what, what were your thoughts and your experience in American Idol? Would you recommend it to, young, well, I don't know if they're actually continuing it anymore, but do you re- recommend things like it to um, young singers? So the story went that I, um, a friend of mine, asked me to audition with her um, and said, hey, I really want to audition. And I said, no way, I'm not auditioning for American Idol. It's crazy. And she asked me again. She kept asking. So I, I just went to kind of support my friend in Chicago's uh, audition, Soldier Field. And like 20,000 people go. And so um, it was a crazy experience. I got on the show, I think, because uh, I was singing a specific type of music that I was singing really in high school, which was the Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin kind of Rat Pack era music. And I I think that played well into them wanting somebody like that on their roster. So, I mean, personally, I had a a really good experience with it. It is a really surreal experience. kind of a thing. And I think I've said before, going out to LA and doing the Hollywood tapings, 
just being there, just around everybody that is just so hungry for fame and fortune and like tooth and nail, willing to, to get there really at any cost. I mean, we were on a double-decker bus touring the Santa Monica on a day off and like the bus driver got down to like go into the building, use the bathroom and like a comedian jumped on the double-decker bus and like trying to start promoting his show that night. So it's just super cutthroat and that really disenchanted me with the chase, I think, for for fame. So, I mean, there's there's two ends of the spectrum, anything you do. And so, yeah, I, w- I would say find an honest person, though, in your life that can tell you whether or not you sound good when you sing. Yeah. Um, that's the biggest thing. <laughs> For sure. Um, now, kind of moving into the theme of this podcast, which is talking about creativity, imagination, and storytelling, uh, particularly to the glory of God. For a lot of people, there is this disconnect between art and beauty um, and glorifying God. How do we break down this barrier, or should it even be broken down? Um, good question. I think that... Describe more the disconnect, because... How we... We sometimes think that, you know... I don't know. We draw a line between, you know, maybe secular and Christian... Um, maybe secular art and Christian art. We draw a line between, well, maybe that's beautiful, but it maybe doesn't glorify God. I don't know. We don't always see beautiful things as glorifying God. Okay. Um, so I think that – so there's two things. One is how does how does beauty and art and, and music and story and all that um, kind of connect us to God? I think I would just start with – with Jesus and kind of his example of, uh, I mean, if you read the Gospels, you can't get very far before you see him storytelling. Uh, You know, left and right, he's telling a parable. Or suppose a man, you know, was walking down the street, and and so begins the parable of the Good Samaritan. Or a father had two sons, and so begins the parable of the, the prodigal sons. And so I think that Jesus created us to be kind of um this is more the story side of it um so is okay if i travel down that trail okay um yeah the the story side of it is you know i think one just following jesus lead in scripture but two it's just very at least to me intuitive to uh, I think Joe Rigney in his book called The Things of Earth, which I would recommend to anybody listening, um, one of the top maybe 10 books I've read ever. Um, but he talks about how we are in storied um, beings. You know, in that, what he means by that is we, we are always thinking about ourselves within the context of a self-narrative. So we think about our past, our present, and our future within the context of a story, and we're either the hero or the villain or the uh, victim or the whatever. And so I think it's a very natural step to say, okay, since story is so powerful and it's so intuitive, let's use that as a way to communicate ideas about who God is and what he's like. And so C.S. Lewis has this quote that, you know, when he's talking about this story, he's talking about it having a unique power to steal past the watchful dragons of the human heart. And so that's what we're trying to do in a sense with, with songwriting and storytelling. We want to awaken wonder and joy 
for the Lord and his glory through song. So we want to get at the heart. We want to awaken wonder and joy. But in order to get past the watchful dragon that's kind of guarding it, the dragon that's kind of the cynical, oh, don't tell me about scripture. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to be. Don't tell me how to live. Um, the way to kind of handle that dragon one way um, is to enchant it and, and tell it a story so that you can kind of slip past it and get at the heart. Um, music also has the power to do that, to get at the heart um, kind of through that backdoor way. But when you combine the two together, music and story, I think you just have a really powerful combination of um, getting at the heart. And of course, you know, the aim, at least of what we're trying to do, um, is to be a lens through story so that Christ is seen as um, beautiful, so that God is seen as um, valuable supremely. So, um, just, I don't know if that makes sense. I mean, in in um, John Piper is a pastor I listen to a lot. I, he has this great talk. I wish I had the link to it. Maybe I'll send it to you later. But he said something to the effect of, um, God is more beautiful than all of the beauty in the universe put together, and it's not even close. So if you, the world's beautiful, the universe is beautiful, he basically made the comparison that like, if you took all the beauty and you could put it in a bag and set it on a scale, it would be like dust on the scale um, weighing that beauty in comparison to a mountain on the other side of the scale um, with regard to how beautiful and wonderful God is and, and who he is. So I don't think it's a, a stretch at all to say um, the beauty we see here is naturally points to uh, the one who created it. Right. And I think I think what's in the world, obviously not everything in the world, you know, we get through general revelation, we get through all this, it's a reflection of God. And God is beautiful, and so it, therefore, is a reflection of God's beauty. Uh, yeah, and I love this. Um, I was at a conference recently. Again, Joe Rigney is a guy I listened to. You should read his book, uh, The Things of Earth, because that puts so many things together um, for me as, as far as how we relate, how we're supposed to relate everything on the earth to God. But one, one way that he described it is, it's like if you, if you see something beautiful, if you're ex experiencing something like good fellowship or just a beautiful sunset or a wedding or, you know, anything like that, it's like you think to yourself like, um, this is amazing and God is like this, but better. Like this is what God's like, but way better. Like that's yeah. kind of the things that run through my mind when I'm now trying to process like a sunset or something. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you there. And how would you say then that, that creativity and imagination, how would you say that those things glorify God or should glorify God? Um, well, God is glorified when, we're, when we are satisfied in him. He's most glorified when we're satisfied in him. And he's, he's glorified also when, we're, uh, when we obey. He's glorified in a lot of, a lot of ways uh, in how we live. But he's most glorified when he's treasured and cherished. So worshiping God is basically cherishing God. And so if story and song, if after you listen to it or read it, you are 
your inclination is to savor Christ, then it was God glorified. If you if you're savoring God more, having listened to or read this thing, um, then it accomplished the goal of of um, glorifying God. So so back to the mission that we're on, which is to awaken wonder and joy for the Lord and His glory. So wonder and joy, cherishing God equals glorifying God. So I think that's the that's the bridge. Yeah, and to, to kind of piggyback off of that question, and I've had multiple people ask me this, um, and I was recently discussing it with a friend, you take a, and I hate the words, you know, making the divide of secular or Christian, but for the sake of our audience and reference, I'll use that. You take a secular song or a secular book or a secular movie or a secular piece of art, any of these things, and can those things, though they were written or created, not with the intent to glorify God, can they still glorify God? God owns everything. I mean, everything is his, whether or not somebody says it is or not. So the, the, again, the end game of what glorifies God is, did this thing help you savor God and, and who he is? It doesn't matter if it's a um, quote-unquote secular book or, or a Christian book. or a, It doesn't matter who painted the picture. If it... Um, if it leads you to cherishing God more, then then yes, I think it definitely has the power to do that. So, um, yeah, I just think we need to be careful. And I hear you with the, the the sacred and the secular divide, but I think the the more we do that, the more we throw up those constructs in our in our mind or those pitting the one against the other, the the more problems you end up running into. Yeah, I think so, for sure. And unfortunately, it's just become a greater divide between um, how people view these things, how people talk about these things. Yeah. I think, um, just while we're on it, I think, so I've been recently frustrated with some um, Christians' answers on on how to engage culture or what makes um, maybe, a, a, I don't know, how to... How to how a Christian should yeah engage culture and I loved uh, there's a conference called Q Ideas and Tim Keller is a pastor I like and he gave a talk at Q Ideas and and um, up until this point I'd heard Christians say like well the way you glorify God in your work or your art or all these things is to do something and do it with excellence and I'm not saying that that doesn't glorify God but I feel like that leaves it a step short because can't anybody do something excellent, that's not distinctly a Christian thing. Um, and so I love what he said, which was um, you want to – so what we want to do is – I hate doing this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backtrack one more thing, and then I'm going to give you the definition. So so Tim Keller in his talk, the, the concise version is he's saying that we live in a disenchanted world. Um caused by maybe the great uh, in the Enlightenment or the Renaissance period where basically all this magic of the stars and the, the galaxies and you know, how stuff is and works in nature all became suddenly explainable with quote-unquote science in the, during the Renaissance time. And so ever since then, we've been on this march to um, add voca- vo- technical vocabulary to everything. 
So what was once enchanted has now become disenchanted um, in people's minds. Um, and so what he's arguing for is we need to re-enchant um, with the way that we write, sing, discuss, talk about uh, who God is, and then two other pieces. So our art or our work or our cult, uh, whatever we do should enchant, it should resonate, um, and it should defy. And so enchant culture, resonate culture, defy culture. So uh, enchant, we just talked about resonate is, I mean, if it's true, then at whatever level, even if it's, you know, somebody who's really, their heart, their heart is really hardened to the idea of, of the gospel being true. Because it's true and because we're made in the image of God, it will resonate um, from be good to your neighbor, which resonates with most people, all the way down to you are um, in sinner, a sinner in need of a savior. So that's going to resonate um, with you, but it will also defy some places of your life. So, and that, I think that's what those, those last two, especially defy makes it um, Christian. So you can no longer say, if you want to do something in a way that's quote unquote Christian, engaging the culture, just do something with excellence. I think this gives it, I like these categories more of, um, it needs to resonate and excellence will do that. But, it, but all needs also needs to have that element of defying, not as in shake your fist in somebody's face, but Hey, there's something different here that's not flowing with the fra- with the fabric of the rest of of the way that society operates. There are some things that this person uh, refrains from doing or does differently that seems to jar with uh, the landscape um, as it is. I don't know if that makes sense. No, yeah, it does. Um, yeah, and it comes down to how we define excellence because I think when we say we should do something with excellence, we are saying excellence as we define it or even excellence as we've let the world define it but i think god has a different different definition of excellence which is far more in line with those three things that you said yeah when i said excellent excellence i mean you can get all bogged down in definitions but what i'm saying excellence is a relative term as far as like being skilled at something doing it um as good as the good people are doing it or even better. Um, so yeah, it, it is a relative kind of a thing. Yeah, but, no, but I, I like what you said. I think that, I think that makes sense. And it's, it's a good thing to remember in, in all aspects of life. And what would you say then is the purpose of storytelling for a Christian, which I think you, you've already kind of touched on that a little bit more, but narrowing it down and hitting it right on the head. So, the storytelling here I'll, I'll hit another aspect of storytelling I love this quote by G.K. Chesterton um, uh, an author novelist um, one of C.S. Lewis's heroes he said that fairy tales make rivers run with wine only to remember for one wild moment that they run with water so what so that's the re-enchantment bit is you plunge yourself into a narrative of a story um, and you come out and you see the world differently and you, and you cherish it differently and you savor it differently and, and hopefully more. At least that's what stories like Lord of the Rings or Chronicles of Narnia 
Um, or if you've never, I can I just re- rapid fire a few other books? Yeah, that people. Might yeah, want definitely. To. Um, Andrew Peterson has a series called The Wing Feather Saga. You should totally check that out. I haven't read it, but Andy Wilson's got um, it's like Boys of Asher. I probably butchered that. Hundred Cupboards. Uh, Christopher Paolini has a series called Inheritance Cycle. He's not a believer, but he's got some really cool world building stuff going on there. But those are some books, I guess, to kind of get you um, started. But yes, yeah, it's, it's the reenchantment. Also, another thing I could throw out as a resource is um, it's free. It's an app I have on my phone. It's Charles Spurgeon's um, Morning and Evening Daily Devotionals. Um, man, I think he, I think that he, so he's a super respected, famous preacher in the 1800s in London, and his devotionals he totally gets it. Like his language is like dripping with like word pictures, enchantment, illustration. Like, um, I don't know. Like he, he just weaves all of these images in your mind. It makes you feel so much more deeply the realities of scripture. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Those, those, so those books and that devotional, I think all do a great job of, of weaving stories um, to to evoke, I guess, a cherishing of, of Christ more deeply. And would you say there there's any dangers to our creativity, to our imagination, to our storytelling, to any of these things? Are there any pitfalls that we should avoid? Um, that's a good question. I mean, like anything, there's going to be opposite ends of the spectrum, so you can abuse any good thing, uh, and same with stories. So if you start to you know, craft a story, obviously, like, like a lot of people do that are in, are in direct, um, I don't know, rebellion, uh, against how God has set up the world. Then, I mean, obviously that's a pitfall. I'm not sure if that's what you're talking about. Um, I can tell you how not to write a song. (laughs) I mean, I don't really know. No, I mean, but with, with the great power that storytellers wield with the great, you know, people with, this great creativity that they they influence a lot of people. I think there is there is danger in what you do with that power. Oh yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I I mean, so just having any kind of platform to stand on um, is a danger in and of itself. Just on the on the landscape of of pride, uh, pridefulness, and um, and so yeah, I mean. Who is it? Like David Platt or somebody Platt has a book it's called yeah. Dangerous Calling. And um, I think that book speaks directly to that, even though it's not looking at create creativity. It's looking at the role of like any, any platform ministry. Yeah. I think, I think we run into pride in a lot of areas of life, but definitely yeah, anytime you're up on a platform, but kind of bouncing off that question there for those, uh, for those of us who aren't musicians or writers or, speakers or we don't have a platform how can we still use creativity and imagination and even storytelling to glorify god well you know before radio and you know the print press and tv and iphones um you know it was it was all i mean this stuff has been around since um the the dawn of uh, creation and so i think 
people are going to do this whether or not there's a, a microphone or a platform. It's just in us. We're in story beings. We love stories. So um, I think just knowing that that is a good thing inherently and um, I don't know, maybe frees you more in this day and age to, to um, I don't know, seek to be good at those things, even if they're just a, a, a gift to your church, your community, your group of friends, your family. Um, I think there's, I don't know, there's, there's really great value in, um, I don't know. I, I only see it as being a, a way to bless people. Um, yeah. If you, if you can get good at those things. So. And I think there is an element of it too, where it's not the destination necessarily it is the journey as well. I think there's, there's something that we learn along the way of these things, even if we're, I mean, even if you're a terrible writer or, or I don't think we all have to be writers either. I think we need, um, we need a lot of people there to be reading as well. I think everyone should be writers as well. But yeah, I think and I, too, it's like, we need it because, um, I forget who said it, but maybe it was my personal pastor near Nashville. It's like our hearts are like screensavers and we will go back to our old behaviors, perceptions about who God is and all these things and works righteousness. And it's all about what I do and not what God has done. And, and, I don't know, seeing, seeing the world maybe in black and white. And like, that's a screensaver setting of my heart. So anything that you can do to kind of move the mouse, and, uh, so to speak, um, i.e. Um, God glorifying stories, songs, um, experiences, all these things is a really good thing um, because it just keeps, keeps the screensaver at bay. Um, at least it does for me. I think God created us to create um and i think we miss a vital part of what he created us for when we aren't creating so we're not all going to be writers but you may be you know you may do woodworking you may write you may do music you may do all these different things now that's a really good point uh tolkien would say that god made us as sub creators so it's it's in our kind of dna our fabric of, of who we are to to want to create just like god and and it's it's in the image of god to have that that drive and that passion to tell a story, to um, build a world and all that. Yeah, and I think that's that's a vital part of being human. That's a vital part of being being God's creation. And yeah. kind of kind of jumping from that to another question, what would you what would you say is the connection between creativity and our spiritual lives? I know you've kind of bounced around this issue a little bit, but Yeah, I I feel like, again, I don't want to like put up a, well, it's like what Paul says, um, it's like whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, um, to, to, to glorify God in it. And so um, I think the jump from being creative to glorifying God isn't very far. Um, and I do think that in some ways that the connection between Say it again. It was the connection between between creativity and our spiritual lives. Um, I don't think I can add anything. Yeah, that I said. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think you've hit it. 
very well. And like we were just saying before that, <clears throat> part of the connection is that's how God's hardwired us. And I think there is a sense where, maybe I'm off on this, but I think there is a sense where we we are more like God when we're creating. Um, because that is part of who he is. He is a creator. And so I think there is a sense in which we are, if we grow closer to God, we are becoming more like him when we create and we create how he intended us to. Yeah, I agree. For a kind of fun question thrown in here, um, because a lot of our listeners enjoy hearing this, but what, what is your testimony of how you were saved? Um, great question. So I grew up, um, as pastor's kid, uh, my dad um, is now uh, a pastor in Nova Scotia, which is northeast of Maine, up there in Halifax, uh, Canada. Um, and so I heard the gospel very well preached every every week, every Sunday, you know, I'd be there. And so there's so many good things about being a pastor's kid, and, and there's also... Um, you know, there is some element of just, I don't know, a false sense of security just by association. You know, because I'm associated with this crowd and my dad's pastor and I'm in this church and, you know, like, that's good enough, right? And so I really, I, I didn't, you know, I said the prayer, like, maybe when I was like six or eight and... um but I really don't think it was until I was about 17 years old. I don't really have like a moment, but um, where I was just, I did, I was doing this video project with a friend um, that I really respected. She was a, a believer. We were doing this thing for, I don't know, humanities class. And, um, and at that point in my life, when I was 17, I was pretty egotistical, pretty, um, I don't know, prideful and not following the Lord and I don't think saved. And I, when we were editing the video, I got to see myself uh, kind of on accident, um, you know, being filmed as I was not acting um, in between takes of this project that we were doing. And that seeing who I was and kind of really not liking it and, and feeling really convicted about, I don't know, um, my character kind of jarred me into a, um, kind of season of soul searching and hanging out, hanging out a lot with uh, some of my believing friends and, and asking questions and 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 so at that point I feel like I'd heard the gospel a lot to like maybe enough to like know that this man I need a savior I um to to forgive me um and to redeem me from these things and so I think. I just remember experiencing, like, for junior year in, in high school, like, after that period, just, like, an unexplainable kind of ecstasy of joy and purpose. Um, and I've heard, actually, other people, their their accounts and their testimonies kind of have a similar thread of, of that joy and that ecstasy, um, too. And so that's why I place it at 17, but I've had other moments, like even in college, you know, I got uh, plugged into a uh, campus ministry group called Campus Crusade for Christ, and there's other great ones, but um, feeling like the penny dropped for the first time there, like, I feel like maybe I was saved then, so I'm not really sure, but I would, I'd probably say 17. 
it's always really cool to hear how God has worked in people's lives, how he's transformed their lives. Um, and yeah. every story's unique. Every every person's yeah. very unique. Um, kind of a final sort of question here to end with that's I'm sure will be fun for you to answer, but who are the primary creators and storytellers who have impacted you? Uh, Got to start with the obligatory C.S. Lewis. Yeah. I mean, C.S. Lewis maybe maybe more than anybody else. I mean, his books, I mean, not just the Chronicles of Narnia, but um, The Great Divorce. I mean, any of his stuff is just so captivating and rich and good. Um, he's not right on everything. He has some weird... Yeah. He's on um, Salvation in, in the Last Battle and, and some other things. But on the whole, he's been... He's a huge influence. Tolkien as well, you know, Lord of the Rings, like I've said. I've, I've said in the past, like, um, sermons and books. Um, oh, book, book alert. Everybody right now should should read Union with Christ by Rankin Wilborn. Union with Christ by Rankin Wilborn. I promise you, it's super easy to read. You will not regret reading that book. It's a life-changing book. I just read it like a few months ago, and I want to read it like three more times. Um, but I would say books and sermons um, taught me what to say, and Scripture taught me what to say, and stories taught me how to say it. And so, so that's kind of what we're doing with songs is we're taking all this good stuff from um, what God says about who we are and, and sermons and all these things and, and putting them in story form so that it kind of, captivates and and uh enchants like in the same way so the connection there is in the same way that these authors have done this for us we want to do that with songs for others that makes sense yeah definitely and we uh all of us here at reckless abandon definitely wish you guys the best on that we'll definitely be praying for you guys and and supporting your ministry in any way that we can thanks man we yeah, we love it too, man. yeah thanks for having me and, yeah thank uh, you very much again one day yeah, thank you.